Hey guys, if you're an avid listener of my pod, then you know that I love speaking about mental health, whether that's in my personal life or with my guests, I sometimes always end up gearing towards that topic. And I've struggled with mental health in my own life. And I opened up about my eating disorder on the podcast, which was terrifying, but it's now so rewarding. It's really helped me heal on my own journey and I've been able to connect with so many people. And one of the things that really helped me through my healing journey was therapy. And for some of my friends who've always thought about trying it, they find it inaccessible or expensive or hard to find the right therapist. And that's where today's sponsor, BetterHelp, comes in. If you're struggling with your own mental health or, you know, you're feeling anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, and you're looking to get into therapy and you need someone to talk to, BetterHelp is a really great resource and it's here to help. They offer licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. So you can talk to your therapist in private, in an online environment, wherever you want. I know for me, um, the first time was very overwhelming and it was in person. So having an online, you can just be in the comfort of your own home. You can be in your car, on a walk, whatever you feel most comfortable with. They have over 20,000 therapists with a huge network and you can get access to a therapist that's like, may not even be available in your area, but could be the perfect fit. You just have to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs. And then you can match with a therapist as little as 48 hours. My first time with a therapist, IRL a couple years ago, it took me three months to get booked with her it was crazy busy so it's amazing where if you need help you fill out the questionnaire and you get matched with someone in 48 hours and then you secure a video and phone session and everything is very confidential join the 3 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced better help therapist and for all my listeners because we love discounts and we know therapy can be expensive sometimes so you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash well now what that's better h-e-l-p dot com slash well now what let's get back to the episode Hey everyone, I hope you're having a good week so far. Uh, Apologies, I feel like it's been two weeks since I've launched an episode, but I have a valid reason. I did have episodes and interviews lined up, um, but I got a sponsor, which was really exciting. And you probably heard the little ad read before, it's with BetterHelp. So if you're actually really curious and you've been wanting to try it out, please use my link, help a girl out, because we all gotta make moolah. And if I wanna continue this podcast, I'm learning to monetize it more. So support your girl if you want. Um, this interview was really fun because Jordan and I are obsessed with Savio and Jordan got to do his first interview with me, which is really fun. Um, and I love listening to people in the food industry because Jordan was in it and it's just like such an interesting conversation. I'm like wanting to interview, but also wanting to be a fly on the wall. And I think it was just a really great interview. So I hope you guys like it. If you guys want us to do more interviews or people in the food industry, we're happy to do so. We do have a few people that we know that we want to do in person. So that could be an option. Um, but yeah, hope you guys enjoy. Um, I will be coming out with more. There's some more solo episodes coming and some more fun interviews. So subscribe, stay tuned and hope you enjoy. Welcome back everyone. We are joined by the incredible Andrea Ulrich. Andrea is the head chef at one of our favorite restaurants in Vancouver, Austria, Savio Volpe. Jordan and I actually had our first date there and we celebrated our anniversary in September, um, which was really fun and we love the food. Like if you ask Jordan what his favorite restaurant is, you'll say Savio Savio Volpe, yeah. So Andrea has over a decade's worth of experience in the culinary industry. She was previously at an Italian restaurant in Vancouver called Chin Chin. I think it was like over nine years. She comes from a background of Filipino and Jamaican. So she grew around a family that was very passionate about food and cooking. And Jordan and I always talk about 
what it's like behind the scenes because Jordan was in the culinary industry. Um, so I think it's very interesting. So thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate your time and we're just excited to hop into your journey. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to uh, be a part of your podcast. Yeah, no, it's super exciting. I think um, this is like my first, po- I guess, podcast interview that mm-hmm. I've done. So I'm very, I'm very excited for it, especially just getting to connect with someone that's now in the food uh, culinary industry, because I think a lot changed after uh, the pandemic. But I guess we should probably start at the start. Um, for me, food had uh, started like pretty early and it sounds like it started pretty early for you. Do you kind of want to talk about your childhood and how food played a part in your upbringing? Um, do you remember your first like distant memory that involves food? Uh, that could be like a specific meal or a scent. Yeah, totally. So food was definitely a really big part of my upbringing. Um, it was kind of like the center focal point for every day within my family, really in terms of like a distinct memory, honestly, When I really think about it, I think the first memory that really got me into food was when I lived in Jamaica and every Sunday my grandma would make a really big pot of either like a curry goat or she would make like a rundown and things like that. And I think I was maybe 10 or 11. I just remember this day so vividly and it was awesome. Our whole family went out to a farm. We picked out a goat. Me and my sister named the goat, sadly. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, kind of a mistake, but oh well. <laughs> um, we brought it home, butchered it, all that jazz. And then, yeah, it's a whole kind of family thing where we got together and we would cook this massive curry goat meal. For me, that was like a huge staple in my upbringing and kind of, I guess, opening my eyes to the culinary world in that sense, mm-hmm. um, where it really taught me how to use everything from start to finish. And to use like the whole animal. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel like, like being so close to food like that really, it, it strikes an appreciation for every part, especially when it comes to meat, like every part of the, uh, like the carcass, which is like really cool. Yeah, totally. No, it was, it was phenomenal, really. I mean, definitely terrifying when you're young, but, <laughs> 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 but it was a good eye-opening experience. And I just remember my dad lecturing me the entire day being like, this is important. You need to learn this. It's crucial to your upbringing. I'm like, okay, dad, whatever you say. <laughs> <laughs> like a single tear. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Our poor goat. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember, do you remember the goat's name? I think we named him Artemis. Art- oh, know, that's oh a my good that's name. a sick name oh my god i probably would have like <laughs> named it like like fucking like cuckoo or something like, i don't even know that's a good <laughs> that's name a, yeah. like a little Artemis. like a silly name yeah. that's funny oh, yeah. um and after so i guess moving to canada after jamaica how did that influence maybe either your culinary career or just like passion for food like that's quite a different culture so i'm curious to know what yeah. it was like for you um well i actually grew up here in vancouver mm-hmm. um But it was when my dad decided to kind of open his own business out there that we moved along with him. Mm -hmm. Um, But coming back and forth was really cool. And definitely coming back from Jamaica, it really opened my eyes to see like how lucky we are in North America and just Mm -hmm. to have a better understanding of, you know, the way two different worlds kind of work. Yeah, I don't really know. I don't know how it changed my viewpoint on food, but. I just know Jamaica made me appreciate food that much more. It's a very different lifestyle there. They don't have, well, now they do, but back then they didn't have like supermarkets, like what we would go to. Mm. Everybody was very like intuitive with their neighbors and like local farmers and a lot of people grew things. So 
you would kind of base your dinner meals off of what you could find within your area. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That probably strike a huge like resourcefulness in yourself. Like, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it did. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. So how did you get into the culinary industry? Like, was there a moment where you decided, Hey, I want to be a chef. I want to do this professionally, like as a job. Yeah. Um, so when I was in high school, I was actually vegan for about four years and that kind of, I guess, sparked the whole idea of me being able to cook for people and for myself, really. My parents are very against it and they're like, cool, if you want to do this, you're on your own. Like, we're not making you dinner. You can make it yourself. (laughs) So I learned how to do that. And I think I just kind of was very hellbent on proving them wrong and being like, no, I can be vegan and I can cook meals for myself and I'll be fine. When I graduated high school, I was supposed to go into graphic design. My parents are very disappointed when I decided not to. (laughs) (laughs) I pretty much like did all the process to go to like Emily Carr, get into it, do all that stuff. And then finally I realized in front of a computer one day, I was like, I I can't do this. Like Mm -hmm. I can't spend my life sitting in front of a computer for hours, not being hands-on and just cooking food, I guess. I told them I was going to go to culinary school and that's what I wanted to do in my life. And to their dismay, I I did it. They did not support me in any way. And yeah, here I am. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Uh, earlier you said uh, like your start into cooking for other people was through veganism do you remember the first time that you had kind of cooked for people and like that kind of like struck the like passion for it do you remember that first meal yeah basically I think my parents had like a bunch of friends and family coming over and I remember them just like stressing out trying to figure out oh my god like what are we gonna cook we need to make something really good and I just kind of stepped up and I was like well why don't you let me cook for them like it's probably going to be a vegan meal, but yeah. I can tell you that it'll be pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I guess they just went along with it and they're like, okay, like, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then I made this huge spread. I don't, honestly, I don't remember what I made, but I made like 15 dishes or something like that. Wow. And let's go. Yeah, That's awesome. They, oh they loved it. Yeah. yeah. That's I made crazy. it a point to be like, okay, we're going to do Filipino food. We're going to do a bit of Jamaican food, but I'm going to make it vegan. I'm going to show you that we can still enjoy our roots and our culture and in a tasty vegan way. Yeah. I think there's such a a big difference between cooking for family and cooking for, I guess, like a restaurant full of people. Uh, Do you, do you find a difference in yourself in terms of like process? Um, Obviously you're not uh, commanding a bunch of people in your own (laughs) home kitchen, but um, Let's do this. Yeah. Well, I still kind of do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I can't get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, but do you find there's a bit of a difference in terms of like the feeling you get from it? Because I know personally, like I get a lot more enjoyment when I'm feeding like mouths of the people that I love, um, and th- I mean that's kind of where my passion like drifted from the food industry because um i enjoyed cooking for family more than i uh cooked in the industry mm-hmm. um, so yeah what, what what was that feeling uh to you like the difference between cooking for family and cooking for a room full of strangers i guess yeah um well i think starting out when i first got into the industry 
I, I took it very seriously for sure. And to me, it was more just making sure I got things right because this was something people were paying for and it was really yeah. important. And just being a young chef, you're like, okay, I got to say yes, chef. I got to listen. I got to do everything diligently and perfectly. But I think as I've grown as a chef, I don't really differentiate cooking for friends and family versus cooking for guests. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's a really big representation of myself and you know, my work ethic and my craft and my love for what I do. And it's just, yeah, I treat every guest as if they were a part of my family. And I hope that that resonates in the food. It does. That is exactly why I love Savio. That's that that was the first thing that I said to Savannah when we, when we first went, cause I, I I think I've been to Savio like a, probably a ridiculous amount. Um, It's true. It's like before nice. we started seeing each other, I was like, I would go alone. I would be solo. Oh, nice. It was like the the first thing that I said was like, I am taking you to this restaurant mm-hmm. because I love it feels warm. It, Savio is like a warm hug. It's not just mm-hmm. the food. It's the atmosphere. And uh, it's just so incredible. It's, it's, it's a really honestly cool the first like the first thing was the focaccia that we got, like, got that sold me. I was like, the bread already. I'm like, keep it coming. It's a good focaccia for sure. It is so a good, good. focaccia. Yeah. And I guess following up, so cooking for family and guests, it's like the same, but I guess cooking for yourself. So when Jordan was, when we first met, he was still in culinary school. So you were still in the food industry. Um, and he was telling me that usually when chefs don't have that much time for themselves. So there's a pastry school. Yeah. Sorry, pastry school. And yeah. Chefs don't have that much time for themselves. And I was so surprised that like you guys were eating like not so great meals. And when you'd cook for me, it was like this big elaborate meal. So I'm just curious to know, again, just for cooking for yourself, how do you approach that? Because you're always in the kitchen, you're always cooking for other people. um, And I'm assuming your hours are quite long. So yeah, how do you approach cooking for yourself? Um, I try really hard not to eat bad food (laughs) but that's like kind of impossible some days on those long nights um on my days off I definitely try to cook for myself and my partner um he he's pretty open to everything so he's like my little guinea pig uh, (laughs) and my test ground for things but I don't know I guess I treat cooking for myself like I would for anyone else like I I definitely respect my body in that sense and I do care about what goes into it um and yeah like you're not gonna find me at a McDonald's that's for sure it's very very rare (laughs) that that would ever happen um and if I can make it I'm gonna make it myself right right. as tired as I may be like it doesn't matter it's it's got to be good (laughs) yeah right um and in terms of like the hierarchy in the food industry I know there's quite like there's like a, I don't, I'm not going to name them because I'm going to embarrass myself if I try, but I know there's like a line cook, there's a prep and all that stuff. So I, with the food industry, you have to go through all that. It's not like some other careers where you can kind of jump steps. Yeah. Um, so what was that process look like for you? Has that, do you think that process will ever change or it'll always say that you have to be in the industry for like X amount of years or be in this role for X amount of years? I don't think it will ever change because it is such a crucial part of a chef's kind of growth within Mm -hmm. the industry Uh, in time-wise of how you grow within that hierarchy. Absolutely. Like it kind of depends on the individual and how willing they are to work and to, you know, grow within themselves. 
like I always tell a lot of my cooks, it's like, if you want it, you'll get it. Mm-hmm. Hard work will always pay off. And it's just a matter of how much time and effort you really want to put into it. I mean, when I first started working at Chin, Chin I believe I worked on the Entremet station. Mm-hmm. And I think within the first year, that's when um, my chef at the time realized like, oh, she's actually like very willing and, you know, very focused on her job. Um, and then it was really funny, actually, after my first year, I was, I told him, I was like, oh, can we talk later? And I was going to quit because <laughs> yeah. I just didn't want to do it anymore. Right. Um, and he was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I also have to have a little conversation with you. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. And then we sat down. Yeah. And he was, I'm like, oh, okay, well, you go, you go first chef, like no problem. And he was like, oh, well, we really want to make you a sous chef. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Imagine if the <laughs> conversations were swapped. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so needless to say, obviously, I didn't quit and I took the sous chef role and yeah, worked my way up to becoming chef de cuisine there. Yeah. So I guess speaking of like uh, the leadership talks and everything like that, what do you think, um, especially, well, I guess for you being a mentor in a way, um, how important was mentorship for you in the food industry? Also, um, what did you then learn as a mentee to become a better mentor to others in the kitchen? Well, that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, mentorship is very important to me. I think it's fundamental for all of the chefs in the industry previously and today, really. Mm -hmm. Um, For my growth, I really, really found it important that my chef did take the time to really listen and help me develop my skills mm-hmm. if I never knew if like if I didn't know something or if I wanted to learn something I would always come to him and just be like hey I want to try this this week or I want to do this <clears throat> or like for me I'm also allergic to fish and nuts so that was a really big thing for me to kind of master um, as a younger chef Mm-hmm. And I would constantly bug my superiors and be like, I want to, I want to do the fish. Like, let me learn how to do the fish. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, it was kind of cool because a lot of my chefs always looked at me like I was crazy. And they're like, why do you want to do this so bad? Like, it's going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm like, well, if I'm going to do this, like, and I can't eat it, I need to learn how to master it in every way. So mm-hmm. I really pushed myself in that aspect. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of chefs that I have had, they've taught me a lot of rights and wrongs in being mm-hmm. a mentor. And that's something that I really thought about as I've grown up and become a chef. Mm-hmm. And I always try my best to, you know, be as kind and understanding and diplomatic with my team in any aspect or any question they ever ask me. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like that's pretty hard to come by in the food industry. To be it is. no well just to be um understanding mm. i guess right like you're the huge thing um i mean i i, I was working during the pandemic and and before the pandemic so I, i'm not quite sure what the industry looks like now because i do know there was a lot of changes there was a lot of uh pressure on on people especially when business business wasn't doing well during the pandemic um and those stresses had led to a lot of like toxic relationships in the, mm-hmm. in the place. Um, so yeah, I think it's really special when when restaurants uh, 
when like chefs in restaurants uh, go the extra mile to to show the appreciation to their workers. And it really shows in in the experience that especially as a diner, like you can mm-hmm. tell at least maybe I can tell, but like you can tell when there is a healthy and like well-functioning kitchen behind mm-hmm. the food that you're eating. So totally. Yeah. You can taste it through and through. And like, that's something that is so, so important to me is like, if anyone is coming in and paying for our food and enjoying a meal, whether it's focaccia or just a pasta or even just a dessert, like I want to make sure that every guest can feel the team mentality behind everything that we do and know that every single one of us cares and wants to put our best foot forward at all times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And what do you think makes a good, good qualities of like a chef of a good chef or like a leader? Oh, um, I mean, everyone's different. (laughs) Or or for you. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, Honestly, I'm I'm too nice, really, and that's probably to my detriment. <laughs> I, like, I think I've been beaten down so many times being a younger chef that I've always told myself I'm not going to be that person. I'm not going to be mean. I'm not going to, you know, rag on my team all the time and push them. But I can do it in a positive way that will still show them how to do things properly and to really show the care. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know kindness and diplomacy is like my number one things because mm-hmm. I mean there's always two sides to a story for anything so if you have a team member that is making a mistake you need to understand like where that's coming from and it's not just oh well they don't care they're making a mistake I I really like to take the, the time mm-hmm. to to understand like what happened there and even on my end where did I go wrong in training them if something happens like that but yeah yeah. And as being a young female chef, um, an industry that's dominated by men, have you faced any adversity or difficulties just being in a male da- dominated industry? Um, Jordan and I, we, we go to this coffee shop called O Carolina. It's on what street? Oh, around the corner from Savio. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I yes. Know Carolina. Yes. So it's, we, we always chat with Karima because Jordan had worked with her brother. Um, and she often talks about like, she's so open about being a female um, in the industry and how difficult it was and all that. So I'd love to hear your perspective of being an industry that's dominated by men. Um, yeah, I would love to hear it. Yeah. Um, I don't think, well, I like to tell myself I didn't have any like adversity in it because Mm I aligned myself with really great chefs that just don't see it that way and are very equal with their teams. Mm -hmm. Uh, my first chef was Jennifer Peters actually, and she was a female chef. So I really looked up to her in that aspect and she kind of paved the way, I guess, for me to not take a lot of like the male dominance in this industry so negatively and Mm -hmm. to kind of prove them wrong in that aspect. Um, No offense to the guys, (laughs) (laughs) but like, (laughs) but yeah, um, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. I've never had anything like majorly bad happen, but there's always like that underlying factor with men in this industry that, you know, it's whether it's like a small snarky comment or Mm -hmm. just how they treat a female in the kitchen versus a male that I think they do without even realizing it. And yeah, I try not to let any of that bother me. Like I've definitely been told a few times like, Oh, well you're too small or you're a female and you can't do this. 
and that's why and i'll usually just be like well that's your opinion but mm-hmm. i'll show you and i'll do it and here you go <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um so you've been in how many years collectively in in the culinary industry was it it's uh, I think I've been cooking since I was 16. Wow. That's I thought cool. you were six. Yeah. I was like, whoa. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was shocking oysters yeah. at age six. Yeah. Yeah. I was down by the bite. No. <laughs> um, yeah. 16. I'm 32 now. So half my life. Yeah. Wow. So with, with all of those 16 years, uh, what do you find most fulfilling in your job now? Like what's that, that moment that uh, kind of kicks you up in, in the morning and you're excited to experience that? a lot of things (laughs) I guess but I think just the love of being able to wake up go into work and work with my team no matter who they are like that's the most important thing to me because when you work in a kitchen it is long hours and that is your family you know aside from your real family obviously but yeah yeah I just really love being able to work with people and especially younger chefs now to help them grow and teach them and show them what I've learned and pass that information along. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, before we get into some rapid fires, just to end the episode, I just have like one more like advice question. If you have any general advice for young chefs or something that you wish you knew before getting into the industry. Um, I wish I wish I knew how hard it would be yeah. <laughs> just overall. Yeah. I mean, I knew about the hours. I knew about like all the work that was involved with it, but I guess in being a female and like knowing how much more you would be put down mm-hmm. in that aspect, I wish I knew that. But then at the same time, it's kind of a good thing I didn't because I just looked at it in my own perspective, just telling people to piss off, really. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew, yeah. yeah, exactly. Off, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was, I think that was the biggest thing. Like, uh, my, the first person that I ever worked under, um, it sounds like bad advice, but it was actually like kind of the greatest advice. He was like, you're never going to be a fucking Gordon Ramsay. Like mm-hmm. get that out of your head. Like, don't glorify this industry. Um, just work your ass off in this industry. And like, that's how you find success. Is totally. Like, that's a good, that's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shout that's, out to, the, who's that? Uh, Blair. Shout out to Blair. Yeah. <laughs> a really cool uh, taco joint in Halifax, Nova Scotia. That was my first kitchen job. Sick. It was good. It was really good. Cool. Yeah. Um, I'd love to get into some rapid fires just to end the episode if you're cool with that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, first question. What is the favorite meal that you've made? Ooh. Uh oxtail. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Did we have that in September at Savio? Uh no, not oxtail. Okay. No. Um, okay. Weirdest meal you've eaten. Uh I guess uh balut like the filipino egg okay oh yeah yeah you know what i'm talking about yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. i haven't eaten it but i've heard of it for sure don't eat it it's not good <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay. never mind okay, that's never. like one thing from the philippines i'm like oh i'm so sorry that we brought this into the world <laughs> <laughs> oh god um what are three ingredients you can't live without Ooh, uh butter garlic 
and red wine vinegar. Nice. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. Um, We're going to veer off a little bit from food, so we're going to throw you off. But um, what's one of your favorite birthdays that you've had? Oh, um, I guess all of my younger birthdays when I was probably like from five till eight. Um, My parents used to always rent out the Peace Arch Park by the border. And my entire class would come, all their families would come, and like the Mounties would even show up sometimes. What? And it was, yeah, it was wild. And we just have this like massive cookout on the park or in the park. And yeah, it was just super cool. Oh my God, that's amazing. Cool. Um, If your life was a movie, what genre would it be and who would you want to play you? Oh, um, that's a hard question. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know I know some people like I'll pick like an actor that doesn't even look like me but I like their vibe so I'm like I like that like Jack Black he's funny even though we don't even <laughs> look nearly alike I like cool. crazy okay. interpretation it just yeah. be kind of fun <laughs> okay I guess I would go with like a sci-fi horror oh, okay. <laughs> and for some weird reason, I kind of want Morgan Freeman to play me because it's Whoa. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> He's got that voice. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. just so good, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like Two more questions for you. What is something that most people don't know about you? Uh, I guess that I'm allergic to fish and nuts. Yeah. That's, yeah. Are you definitely yeah. allergic? Or like- yeah, I'm anaphylactic. <laughs> that's wait so i'm sorry that's I, I need to further like i need to ask more questions so when you're preparing yeah, yeah. meals with fish and nuts do you have to wear gloves or does someone else prepare it uh, i wear gloves wow wow yeah so you can't taste those like the meals that have is it all like are there a lot of meals at savio with like nuts? um right actually yeah it's like there's a few for sure we had the fi- we had the fish Yes, well, there was nuts. Uh, no, there wasn't. Nuts. Oh, there was, yeah, there was yeah. fish. Yeah, oh, yeah fish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was a, that was a great dish. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know. I just try not to let people know that because I don't want them to be like, "Oh, well, she can't taste it." So uh-huh. she doesn't know. Okay. No, no. I think it's more impressive. Yeah. I'm like, cool. that makes it even better. Yeah, that's crazy. I was actually yeah. that was one of the coolest. There are very few restaurants where, um, like you guys openly ask. Like we, I've basically eaten family style every time i've went Mm -hmm. and right away the servers are like uh so are there any altercations or allergies that you guys have you're like very open the restaurant's very open Mm -hmm. and willing and i think the way that you guys are able to um what's the word i'm looking for accommodate yeah accommodate yeah it's it's incredible you guys do a killer job like that thanks yeah um, last question. I always ask my guests these, this question. Um, who are the three most influential people in your life right now? Oh, right now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't look up to anyone right now. You can, you can uh, if you like. Oh, I don't know. This is hard. Sorry. <laughs> no, it could be, it could be like a musician or like anything. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be uh, like a chef or anything. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah, I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Kendrick Lamar because he's amazing. Nice. Um, for sure. And then my mom because she's one of the strongest women I'll ever know. And 
Yeah. Oh, no, I know. Nisi Roberts, who's a chef in New York. I'm obsessed with her. I love her food. I love everything about her. I think she's totally, like, badass. And, yeah. That's it. Amazing. Thank you so much, Andrea. This was so cool getting to know you better in the industry and everything. I always just, like, love listening to people in the industry. (laughs) It's so fascinating because it's, like, there needs to be, like, a show or something more about the behind the scenes or something. Yeah, and it's cool. Totally. I feel like we got to know you through your food before actually getting to talk to you, so. Yeah, oh, thank you. That's great. Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed the episode and I appreciate each and every one of you and I just want to thank today's sponsor, BetterHelp. So if you want to get a discount, it's 10% off and that's betterhelp.com slash well now what. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week.